You're half covered. You look like bald Two-Face from Batman. I look like uh, Two-Face. Bald Two-Face. Bald yeah, Two-Face. because you're bald. Wasn't he, wasn't he bald on one side? Because he got in that big acid accent? You're saying that's the side of your face that's covered by acid. That'd be bad, I guess, huh? Yeah. This is clearly 5G towers, okay? I, what is that? I haven't even... I've heard that, but what is the... It's the next cell network that's going to come out that they're just now starting to put up infrastructure for. And uh, conspiracy theorists are saying it's going to give everyone cancer. But then this happened, and so even though this was happening before the towers started being built, they're saying that uh, 5G towers gives you coronavirus. So that's actually what, that's what I thought it was. Um, but that's like tinfoil hat stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why does that matter, though? This is the world we live in. I want you to welcome, welcome everybody to it. Hello, Internet! I'm rolling with this. We are the uncultured <laughs> saints, flying in blind. I am Pastor Harrison Goodman, and joining me this day is Pastor Eli Leitzow from Weekly. Wearing a tinfoil hat. Wearing a tinfoil hat. Um, although, to be fair, you are faring better than most of us in the middle of this lockdown because you don't need a haircut. So, um, yeah, just shave your head, guys. It's it's the it's the way to go. Um, it is the way to go. <laughs> it's really easy. It's sleek. Aerodynamic. Yes. Yes. It makes you a faster swim. Yeah, it's cold in Colorado, though, right? Yeah, we had 10 inches of snow. I think it's 80 degrees right now. Uh, why don't you why don't you live someplace that has seasons? Uh, because I want all of the poisonous bugs that will kill you instead. Um, like, why why That's would bad. you want to see pretty snow when you could get bit by a black widow spider? Or or a scorpion? Or a brown recluse? Or a rattlesnake? Or any of the other countless things that will kill you here? That is why I think all Texans have guns. It's just for insects and snakes. Just to shoot the <laughs> just, shoot the bugs. Just shoot bugs. They're terrifying. <laughs> uh, stupid. <laughs> what are we doing today? Oh, this has been... We had a Holy Week last week. That was crazy. That was I mean... How, okay, how was your Holy Week? Because I tell you what, preaching uh, on Easter to uh, nobody mm-hmm. is awful. Yeah. Um, Jesus still rose, though. So I, I, I was okay with it. Um, like it's, it's obviously it's an eerie thing um, because like normally I can tell when people aren't paying attention to me while I preach because they're not looking at me. Now I, they, they might just be in another tab on Facebook. Um, but no, I, I mean, I think Holy Week is actually given for these oddball weeks. Go to the first Easter. Like, tell me where everybody like showed up all together wearing their best clothes. Or, or was it two chicks who were too afraid to actually do what Jesus told them to do because <laughs> everything's falling apart? Um, yeah, isn't that the crazy? So, okay. Uh, yeah, all you one-year lecturer guys. Holler. Uh, if for for Easter, you get uh, you get what? The mark account? Mark 16, 1 to 8. Where, the proper where, mark 16. Yeah, yeah. 1 to 8, mm-hmm. uh, where the, the women leave in abject terror. Yeah, and say nothing to nobody and just full stop. <laughs> it's the best. I love it. 
Um, because it, it lets <laughs> Jesus so. actually be the, the actor in his own show. Because you say, all right, so everybody's still screwing up, but, well, the tomb's still empty, so everything's going to be okay. <laughs> like, that's yeah, where that's I wanted to go. That's, that's a cop-out. No, that's beautiful. <laughs> it, that, that's, that's, my that's my disastrous life just, like, put into place so that I wouldn't have to worry so much when it actually starts happening to me. No, that is a good point, right? Because right there you've got Jesus who is... Uh, has just conquered everything. Yeah. Uh, death itself, uh, and then he comes and he tells uh, he tells humanity, uh, "Don't fear, uh, I have conquered death, and the grave, and Satan, and sin. Uh, go tell everybody." And and we're all like, eh, "I'm still kind of scared." Yeah, he's still kind of <laughs> risen. Like that's the best point. Like you you can take everything that you're still scared of and just like hold it up to the empty tomb and say, can any of this stuff put Jesus back in there? Because if it can't, we still have something to hang on to. So no, Holy Week was yeah. weird, but man, like how many how many generations of Christians like bo were born and died in the catacombs and they never quite got the point of Easter lilies and showing up in your best clothes and going to Grandma's house to look for eggs afterwards. Yeah, we, we're soft. Just like my we're chocolate just... bunnies. <laughs> ah, it still stinks. Though. Oh, it does. But you're but right. Christ is still no, risen. you're up. Christ is risen. No, but you're absolutely. He's right. risen um, indeed. Alleluia. Alleluia. That was actually the hard part, like having to read both parts of that, and not like you know trying to like do a different voice for the second one. <laughs> He's risen indeed. Alleluia. Great job. Just throw throw your voice. Yeah, I can't there. do that. So. Like a ventriloquist. <laughs> oh, yeah, see? See? Puppet ministry. Oh, That's what we should do. This is the end of the podcast. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, all right. So parables, though, right? Sure. Uh, I, what, are, what are we doing today? I, I called dibs on it, but then I forgot. Ah, oh, so you didn't do any preparation? No, I, I think I probably did. Uh, somewhere. We're doing uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Let's rock it. You want to read it? Okay. Yeah, I'll go ahead and do it. All right. Luke 10, 25. Behold, a That's lawyer. That's a cool Bible cover. Well, it's uh, from CPH. Can we have some money? Thank you. That's an advertisement. <laughs> Just kidding. All right, go. Yeah. All right. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, him being Jesus, saying... Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among robbers? 
He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. I remember why I called dibs on this one right now. Uh, this is this is the one where it's really good to be the guy with the microphone because I actually don't want to hear about your concerns and, and who you don't think I'm loving enough. I, I think that you need to hear who I think you're not loving enough. Yes. Right? Because that's why we bring this, this parable up, right, every time. Um, because I, I know that you've screwed something up, and I, I just want to show you who you have not loved enough. Don't you want to be more like the Good Samaritan? See... This parable, maybe more than, than any others, is, is a parable where we walk up to it and we're almost 100% sure that we've got it figured out, right? It's like it, it couldn't be any more clear uh, what this parable is about. So much so that we even have, uh, this, this parable has made its way into the nomenclature of, of general society, right? Right. There's a lot of hospitals named after this. The Good Samaritan Hospitals, you'll hear on the news, right? Uh, good, Samaritan good Samaritan laws. Stop, stop, yeah. Stop by, uh, oh, that's a Seinfeld reference. Good job. You're welcome. Uh, but yeah, Good Samaritan, you know, saves 18 from a burning pillow factory or whatever the case may be. Um, so yeah, we're almost positive we know what it, it, it's going to be. And then I, I've got a feeling that you're going to uh, ruin it. That's and what it's I not going to be like that. It, and in much the very same way, it reminds me of the uh, the band from the 80s and 90s, uh, uh, UB40. <laughs> do, do you remember UB40? Is this red, red wine? Stay yeah, close yeah. To me? Right, well, yeah, exactly, right? Uh, uh, yeah. Um, and Neil, well, it's a Neil Diamond cover, right? Red, red Is wine. it? But, yeah. I'm the worst, I'm sorry. Yeah, nobody knows that. But, okay, so UB40, uh, they have a reggae sound to them, right? Right. Uh, just YouTube, uh, Red Red Wine, YouTube, uh, Can't Help Falling in Love. Uh, they, do a, they do a cover of Superstition by Stevie Wonder. Anyways, um, and it's all reggae, and it just sounds like these guys are uh, straight from Jamaica. And then you see the video. Um, I mean, and you're sure that these guys are Jamaican. Right, I mean, just a hundred percent sure. Uh, you couldn't be more wrong uh, because you see the video, and it's some white dude uh, from England. <laughs> and you're like, wait a minute, this this isn't anything what my ears hear. <laughs> you're, yeah, yeah. That's a bummer. <laughs> uh, can you explain to me how this has anything? Oh, oh, because we're wrong about it. I understand why we went through that. Five yeah, story. see. Uh, Sometimes I forget like where we're going. Like I, I know that we, we, we leave on these tangents and we take such a scenic route that I actually forget where we're going in the first place. Like you're probably really, really good at taking your kids to the to the doctor because like you take them in such a wild route that they actually forget the whole way there what they're what they're going to do. No, I just tell them to stop crying. Okay. You you tell that to me too. <laughs> okay. So uh, let's get into this parable then. Uh, where, where do you want to go with this, Pastor um, Harrison Goodman? I, I mean, it, it's, it's worth kind of chewing on just more of what you're saying, that, that we're so desperate to find, usually not even ourselves, but this is one of those parables where we go looking for each other. 
Um, like I, I understand a lot of Christianity where um, I, I go looking for what I have to do to be saved because that's every other religion of the world and that's what all of my idols tell me to do. And I understand objectively that Jesus already saved me apart from my reason or strength, apart from anything I could do. He has totally and completely made me righteous by his death and resurrection. But I really have trouble with that and I still have to keep hearing it. But this parable almost stands almost unique to it in that it's much more of a weapon at least the way I hear it today, like based on how I would hear this parable used today, um, even outside of sort of the pop culture reference to like Good Samaritan laws and, and things like that, is at least today, whenever this, this actual scripture is referenced, it's to chuck a rock at somebody. Like based on this parable alone, Christianity sort of seems like the religion that you quote when you want to make the people you don't like feel worse about themselves, but kind of the religion that you excuse or just outright ignore when it makes you look bad. Um, and then probably have to complain later about why nobody actually wants anything to do with our faith and that the church is dying. Um, when, when we only want to sort of say, the good Samaritan helps the neighbor, why aren't you helping your neighbor? Um, the one thing that, that uh, we have already refused to look at is ourself. Um, and, and the second, even more so, is, well, still Jesus. Yeah. Uh, so this is the, this might be one of the, uh, the parables that is taken completely out of context, mm -hmm. right? When, when we're, and, and let's take it out of society because society's going to screw it up because that's that's what they're supposed to do. Um, so let's put it in the context of the church. Let's, let's put it in the context of uh, sermons being preached, Bible studies. Let's put it in the context of talking to brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, almost always, we just start off right with the parable. Just, just run right into the parable, right? Uh, and sometimes uh, scripture has that with Jesus' parables. Uh, we just have Jesus telling parable after parable after parable. Uh, there's context there too. But, but this one, there's a, a paragraph of specific context uh, giving us the exact reason why Jesus is telling this parable. Uh, and we almost always just forget about that. I think we have. I know I we, did. Will you read it to us? Because, <laughs> well, I, I think we have to forget about that if we if yeah. we want to take the parable to, uh, you need to be a good Samaritan. You're you're called to do that. I'm called to do that. Uh, let's let's mostly you though. Let's encourage that to happen. Right. What's that paragraph that matters so much that that would start like probably around verse twenty one? I mean, whatever. No, no, no. I think I think it's the the verse twenty five, right? It's it's oh, okay. the lawyer comes up, and uh, he's a trying to test Jesus. Uh, B, he uh, he's attempting to justify himself. Right, because right, he asked a question. And, like, when somebody asks you a question they already know the answer to it, it's usually because they're actually looking for somebody else. Like, um, because Jesus knows full well what the commandments are, right? Um, I think, honestly, though, this is, this is more of a statement. From who? From the, the lawyer who wanted to put Jesus to the test, this question, what must you do to inherit eternal life? Because they both know the answer is keep the law. Um, what the lawyer's really asking is, if this is all it is, what are you here for? Okay, nice. All right. Like, really, it, I, I was expecting something more than than you. Go, keep going. That's uh... 
This is, but this is always how we approach the law. So um, I can hear, you shall have no other gods before me. And I can say, well, of course I've kept that because um, I stamp uh, Jesus on every t-shirt I have. Um, but, but the reality is when you actually... WWJD. Yeah, when you actually look at the meaning, though, it says, um, like our catechism is wonderful for this, because it tells us that, that a god is anything you fear, love, and trust in. Um, and, and so to, to keep the first commandment is to, to fear and love God, or to fear, love, and trust in God above all things, excuse me. Um, well, that just means I have to actually confront all the things I really love, and I sort of try and just use God as a means to an end for, um, sort of like a vending machine. Like, nobody hangs around the vending machine because they like vending machines. We want chips. Um, and in the same way, if God only exists to get me money, well, then my real God is money, even if I'm willing to stamp Jesus' name on it. Uh, why, why are there vending machines that have fruit in them? That's silly. To make you feel nobody, worse when nobody, you get the cheat. Nobody's going to spend a dollar to get a, an apple, especially when it's a red delicious apple. Well, and you don't know how long it's been in there. Yeah. And it's gonna fall. Yeah. It's gonna fall and get. And bruised. it's only yeah. this, this was a bad it's bruised, idea. Bruised red delicious. Some apple. mom did that. And uh, some mom did that. My kids don't need any more Cheetos. Put an apple in there. And like some school administrator was just tired of getting yelled at, and so they stuck it in there. Like, Fine, just leave it's, me alone. It's probably wax. It's the same apple that was there at the beginning <laughs> of the school year when you went to high school. It is. It's just. Uh, they just put a plastic one in there eventually after it rotted and it, nobody ever found out because nobody ever bought it. <laughs> All right, sorry about that. Anyway, yeah. um, so here's the thing. If you want to dumb down the law, simply, you know, help people, um, well, uh, of course, having a Jesus there who's saying, I'm going to die for your sins and rise from the dead, uh, it seems a little bit precocious. Um, of course, if you think you've got the law all figured out, the guy who comes along and says, I am the fulfillment of it, doesn't seem all that impressive. Um, but the, the problem comes in when you actually start to deal with um, that guy laying in the dirt. Well, hold on. Before we get to the guy laying in the dirt, uh, so you said you got this guy coming to test Jesus uh, with the mm -hmm. uh, kind of the, the whole mindset of uh, if the law's there, uh, for me to keep it uh, to inherit eternal life, right? What must I do mm -hmm. to inherit eternal life? So uh, the onus is on I. What what do I have to do? This is his thought process right from the beginning. Um, and then you know the law. Love God, love your neighbor. Uh, what do you make of uh, him in verse 29? But he, being the, the, the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, Is it, is it that... Uh, he knows the law so well, which he does, uh, and he realizes that the law basically uh, says, be perfect as I, the Lord your God, am perfect. Uh, is, is this a bit of an admission of, uh, oh, goodness, I'm not perfect. Um, I've, I've got I've to fix this so that I can still say I fulfilled the law. What's he doing there? I think, I mean, it, it says it, what he's doing there. He's desiring to just himself, or justify himself. But I, I think he's got a fair question. Who is my neighbor? Because the way Jesus responds isn't just sort of a everyone's your neighbor, deal with it kind of thing. Um, it, it's, it's a confrontation with the reality that you actually are supposed to help people. And there actually are people in front of you that, that have needs. And sometimes you're not going to be able to. Because the way that he actually starts to lay out the people who are... are um, who are going through these things, first it encourages you to ignore the Eighth Commandment and read the very worst into their hearts. Um, and, and second, from there, it, it involves you then to cast aside um, 
priests and Levites so that Samaritans can be the ones who earn their salvation by stopping to help, uh, which doesn't necessarily do anything for the guy who's laying in the dirt. Because, like, the problem with this, honestly, the, the problem with this is if, if Christianity is measured in the Samaritan helping, um, the only people who can't possibly be Christians are the ones who actually need help, the ones who are laying in the dirt. Have you noticed that? Like, honestly, th 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 there's no question of whether or not the, Le um, the Samaritan is the good neighbor. And there's no question as to whether or not the Levite and the priest done messed up. But you know who is, is offered no chance for salvation? It's the man who got mugged. <laughs> Here, man, it just sucks to be you. You're going to be the object lesson so that I can make others feel bad. There's no salvation yeah. for the helpless here. Yeah, you know, that's tough. Deal with it. So, some people are just given a bad hand. <laughs> right. Um, so we can go reformed and say, you know, he was just uh, what he, he was reprobate and condemned to hell from the start. But I, I don't know that I can get around the idea that Jesus wants to be help of the helpless, that the scriptures say he died for all the world, that he, he, he himself says that he would have none lost, that he weeps over Jerusalem, begging to gather them under his wings as, as a hen does her brood. Comma, um, comma, except the guy in the dirt. Except that guy. Um, he actually needs me, so not him. Um, <laughs> the, the problem, though, is, is as we grab hold of these things, though, here, here's the thing. Like, the priest actually had a great excuse. Like, for him to touch this guy, he would have been unclean and unable to offer sacrifice for the good of the entire people if he stopped to help. Well, yeah, um, so I think we need to, I think we need to uh, stop there for just a second because the priest and the Levite always do get uh, just a horrible rap in this. Um, because all you're saying is uh, uh, the priest... Got Real religion isn't for religious people. It's for people who don't go to church, oh. which is how I keep hearing this. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, because uh, the priest comes along and, uh, and all, all this guy needs is a little TLC. And, and the priest can't do it, right? He, he just right. needs some, some T-Boz, left eye, and chili. And, uh, and he... It's a 90s reference. I got it. <laughs> some... Don't go chasing. Just don't go chasing waterfalls. But that's all he needs, and everybody's sitting there just saying, why Why can't the priest do it, right? And so the way that we look at it is uh, the, uh, the the priest is just this horrible wretch of a human being, right? Like, how dare he? Uh, he, he needs to stop and help this guy. Um, you know, sing, sing, him a, sing him a song. Do something. And... Mm -hmm. How are you saying this? Because you, you made a mention of maybe, maybe what if he, he couldn't. Like, literally, he couldn't. What if the Levite was just too old to help? Like, you don't know. Um, what, what if he didn't have a pack animal or, or anything in there? Um, did I ever tell you uh, my son was born on a Sunday morning? No. Yeah, it was awful um, because I figured when my wife got pregnant with, with, my, with my first child, I was like, all right, God, I'm a preacher. You and me, we got a deal any day but Sunday. It'd be fine. And then I didn't worry. Um, and God laughed at me. And uh, my, my wife's water broke um, about 7 in the morning on Sunday. Right. And, yeah, it was awful. So, uh, so what had happened was um, we had a dual parish. And so I had my far church and then my close church. And, and so I'm like, all right, we got to pack the bags and we got to go. Um, but she goes, hang on. And I was like, really? So, so she calls the hospital. She goes, I think my water broke. And they're like, all right, you need to come in here. And the hospital is like a half hour away. And she goes, you're having contractions. They said, and my wife said, well, 
not really or if they are they're they're real real far apart and she goes all right well you don't need to rush but get down here and then she looks at me my wife and being the better person than i am because i would never ask her to do this um she, she goes so my husband's a pastor and there's this pause and like i can hear the nurse exhale over the phone <sighs> and um she, she proceeds to tell my wife if, if contractions get closer than 10 minutes you get here now and and my wife's like cool so i'm like cool so we go to my fire church and I tell them what's happening. I said, if contractions get closer than 10 minutes, I'm sorry, we're just going to stop it down and I got to go be a good husband. Um, so they're watching me the whole time and I'm watching my wife the whole time. And every once in a while she would tense up and I would tense up and they would tense up and we made it. Uh, but we're driving to my second church and contractions go to below 10 minutes. And so I like I whip into the circle of drive and I run downstairs and grab the Sunday school teacher. And I'm like, I'm out. Peace. My wife's having a baby. And I sinned that day. I broke the third commandment. But what was I to do? Yeah, you were damned if you do, damned if you don't. Right, so I went with the one who was going to forgive me quicker, and I sinned against God. Um, and I don't regret that. <laughs> no, but... But see, this is the problem, though. When it comes to our faith, we are so afraid of being called the sinner, the bad example of our faith, that all we have are excuses or justifications as to why this one didn't count or why it was okay under the circumstances. Wait, wait, this is the problem when we come like the lawyer. Because the, the right. quite, desiring to justify, desiring to justify himself. But also, the, the, the initial question is, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And then, wrong question. and then it's a very wrong question. But when you ask that question, you're going to be given uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Fulfill the law. Do the law, right? And we've got, I think we have, and I think it's correct. I don't think we're reading too much into this. Uh, I think we've got two situations with, with the priest and with the Levite that they are going to be damned if they do and damned if they don't. If they touch this dead body or half-dead body or unclean body, uh, they are uh, at risk of not being able to fulfill the things required of them to do in the temple. Which And what's the stuff that happens in the temple? Pre-Jesus. Sacrifices. The sacrifices. For yeah. the sins of the people, right? Mm -hmm. So they are in a situation where they're damned if they do, damned if they don't. They, they they have to help this guy, but they can't. I I, I give the example of, uh, let's pretend my wife with the four kids is uh, in the middle of downtown Denver uh, at three in the morning. And she sees somebody getting mugged right in front of her. She's driving her car. She sees somebody getting mugged. What is she supposed to do? Don't answer that. Don't say hit him with a car. <laughs> no, she's supposed, she's supposed to... Call the cops. Well, yeah, but, you know, the guy's getting beat up right there. She's supposed to help the person. But can she help the person? See, this is, no. this is that really damned if you do, damned if you don't game. Because all you're trying to do is find out how far down the line you have to fall in order to not have to hold the religion up on your own back. And the problem is, it, instead of justifying her, yourself and saying, uh, oh, it's okay that she didn't help the person... It's better to say, you can't fulfill the law. 
Right. But I think this actually has more to do with Jesus than it does uh, with the, the lawyer's question. Um, I think that it's because most of the time we read this, we see Jesus using this parable as a weapon before we ever try to do it ourselves. Um, what if he, instead of using this as a weapon against a lawyer to, to bash him around, he was actually trying to give it to a promise? Because there was a lawyer who was so desperate to justify himself that he was willing to try anything. And he knows, like the lawyer knows, there are people I can't help and all I sort of have left are my excuses. But what if Jesus wasn't trying to twist the knife but actually show that there's mercy for even the overwhelmed and even the ones who want to test Jesus? What if Jesus was the one who would actually stop for the lawyer who spiritually was broken in the middle of that road while he tried to test Jesus? He was desperate for some help, something to grab onto that, that would let him not hate himself for all of the people that he passed over. And what if Jesus actually wants to talk about himself and, and offer mercy even to the lawyer? Oh, no, he definitely does. Uh, and he wants to talk about himself because, again, the parables are about the mysteries and the mysteries are Jesus. Um, yes, sir. I'm not 100% sure if if that's why the lawyer is coming, just with that testing language. Uh, no, I don't think that's why he comes, but I think that's what our Lord gives him. Correct. Our Lord gives even the people who come offering weapons a, a, a gift correct. Of, of peace. So. If, if I may, I and, and we haven't really got there. I'm jumping all over the place and, and stepping on your toes. So, so I'll pause a little bit. But I, no, do I, it, do I, think, I think Jesus is going to be using this a little bit as a weapon. But I'll pause there. Uh, all right. Go. I don't think that Jesus is using this as a weapon. Um, because, well, instead of letting this thing rest on sort of weaponized guilt as far as who did or didn't help, we can actually start to see that the true... Um, the, the true demonstration of Christianity isn't actually found in the Samaritan. The true demonstration of Christianity is found in the man who was mugged and left for dead. The one who, if you want to measure faithfulness based on how many people you helped, is the only person who can't possibly be a Christian. Uh, I think the whole thing's backwards because that's the only true Christian there actually is. Um, we have it so deep in our our idolatrous heart that we have to do something to be saved that we would look for ourselves in this but the truth of the matter is the demonstration of the christian is the one who is helped correct the one who can do absolutely nothing the one who is laying and left for dead which makes the samaritan jesus which is what we were alluding to all the way along but if jesus is the good samaritan who actually stops to help the downcast and the downtrodden and the beaten and left for dead if jesus is the one who would pick him up and carry him on his own pack animal if jesus is the one who would pay for his rest and pour on oil and wine well that makes then the christian the one who receives jesus yeah. The reason I don't see this as, as a weapon is because Jesus is doing more than giving him an object lesson. He, he's pointing to the fact that he loves even the lawyer. Uh, I am in 100% agreement with everything you said, uh, but I'm going to add to it. And, and, use, and using, using this analogy of weapon that you're using, uh, I'm going to say Jesus also uh, uses this as, as a weapon. Uh, because uh, Jesus, not only is he the Good Samaritan, uh, I, I, I think Jesus is also the, the guy who, uh, who beat up the guy and left him for dead. And he did that with the law, hmm. right? So this, this lawyer is coming here, uh, and he said, uh, he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Right away, Jesus knows that this guy, uh, is only looking at the law and his fulfillment of it. And Jesus says, you know, the law, you know, the answer, go ahead and do it. Uh, and the guy says, uh, oh, well, goodness, uh, I got to justify myself because I know I can't fulfill the law. And I know 
Uh, oddly enough, he doesn't care about the first the first table of the law, right? He thinks he has that down. He, he right. <laughs> the the stuff about God, yeah, I'm I'm good with that. Uh, but I need to know who my neighbor is, right? Uh, and so Jesus is saying, okay, this this guy is is uh, is dead set on earning his uh, own salvation. He's dead set on making it from Jerusalem to Jericho all by himself. So I've I've got to put him in the ditch. And so I've got to uh, not just give him an object, object lesson, but crush him with the law to the point of killing him. I have to say, uh, if you want to uh, earn salvation for yourself, uh, then you need to be the Good Samaritan 24-7 uh, to every single person you meet, no matter what. Uh, and that says nothing to how uh, you uh, are supposed to uh, treat and, and interact with God as well, right? So... I, I believe this parable here is, it is, it's this giant bat that's just going to hit this guy over the head. Uh, and it has to. It's leaving him in, in the ditch here uh, so that Jesus then can come with his gospel and his forgiveness and say, listen, the only way you're getting to Jericho is through me. But see, even that is a gift. Even the law yes. is a gift. Because yes. that, that the gift that Jesus gives, even in here, is, is a, a promise that even this man's sin can't disprove his religion. Um, it means that, that Christianity actually doesn't stand on my ability to help enough helpless people. It stands on God's ability to help me. And it stands on that, mean, that, that, that means that, that the helpless people do matter because I'm one of them. Yeah. That, that means that when we're told, go and do likewise, um, it, it stops being a measuring stick. And it starts simply being a, a sharing of that which has already been shared. Um, if your religion is Jesus for sinners, then you don't have to be afraid of being named along with them. Your sins are forgiven you. And in the same way, um, you have received mercy. Go and do likewise. That just simply means be people of mercy. This is foremost an identity. These are people who are not afraid to receive mercy. People who live hand to mouth, um, not by something that we earn, but only by the, the free gift. People who live by grace and not excuse or self-justification. And people so certain of it that we don't actually have to be afraid to give it back out, even if it means getting dirty or getting accused of not doing enough. And this is the wonderful part where Christianity, I, I think today could use just a refresher course, because as soon as this parable is cast in our direction, we always bite at it. Like always, look at, look at the priest, the religious guy who wasn't helpful, but the, the not religious person who helped. You don't need to be religious to help. And we just push right back every time. Well, how many hospitals have Christians' crosses on them? Instead of simply saying, you're right, I, I've failed to help people. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. But my God has helped, and I pray that he would help them, and I pray that he would help me, and I pray that he would help you too. Um, we don't have to prove our religion by helping others. We can be confident that our religion rests on Jesus helping us yeah and we're merciful and uh it's great help your neighbor serve him yeah christians do good works absolutely and 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 you will but and when if you... it's a gift you don't need to measure how many people you serve exactly yeah you 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 are going to uh you're going to become uh, uh a service to your neighbor uh because he needs it uh not for your salvation not because uh, God needs it from you and not because you need it for your salvation, but because your, uh, your brother's hungry. Good. I like it. Good. Feed him. Sweet. Good. All right. We out. Sweet.
Don't go chasing waterfalls Please stick to the rivers and the lakes that you're used to I know that you're gonna have it your way or nothing at all But I think you're 